I say, yo, welcome to Sinister Saint Podcast. My name is Rashad Carter. Um, I'm the owner of this podcast. I'm here with Pastor Alex here from uh, Love Center Church in Melbourne, man. And we, we, we're, we're here. I'm really, really excited to be here with this man. And um, uh, this, this podcast is, is generally about what it's like to come from a sinner and, and to a saint, giving your life to Christ and what it's like and the judgment in between. So, um, Alex, man, I'm, I'm here with you, man. Um, if you want to introduce yourself or tell me a little bit about yourself or tell the, tell the, tell the uh, listeners a little bit about yourself, sir. What's happening? This is Pastor Alex, and uh, I was a sinner. <laughs> Depending on what time you catch me, I might still be a sinner. Hey. Uh, but I'm moving from being a sinner to a saint, and hopefully some of the stories about my journey and really just revelation about what I've found with my experience in being in church all my life and being in the struggle between trying to go from being a sinner to a saint can help somebody out there today. Right. Amen. So listen, man, a little bit about me. I am, I'm also a sinner. Uh, I don't live in sin, but I, I, I sin. And um, I have decided to give my life to Christ some time ago. And throughout this process, um, there are a lot of things that I've dealt with and, and a lot of things that I, I, I uh, didn't really understand um, about this process and this journey. And with that being said, um, we developed this podcast simply to get some real honest dialogue in between somebody like me and Alex and getting some godly counsel for some other men, some other men and women that have, have lived this life, have lived this holy lifestyle, and that have, have, uh, have mirrored what it's like to be Christ-like, and um, we're trying to get there, man. So, Alex, man, I got a couple questions for you, some things that I wanted to talk about, some things that's always been on my heart. And I have to be honest with you, before we, we really uh, dive in, some of this stuff, uh, some of the questions that I have, you know, they are blatant and honest, you know? And, um, you know, you can, you can school me and teach me um, the process and uh, some of the things in between here that I just don't understand, man. And uh, one of these things, Ben, is 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 uh, this this basically this entire process when you deal with um, giving your life to Christ. It seems as though people in ministry sometimes, excuse me, people in ministry sometimes automatically want to see you uh, as the finished product, right? I go into church on, on Sunday, um, you know, I'm, I'm having this conviction. I say, man, I want to give my life to Christ. And uh, I'm, 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 I'm convicted and um, I give my life to Christ. And all of a sudden, not necessary to leadership, but it always seems as though uh, the people of ministry, sometimes people that are involved in ministry, they don't grant you the same grace, right? They only look at you as, of, as, as what you've done. Right. Some some things in my life that I've done, they only view me as that. Right. Going through the process. Um, how do you deal with that? How do you how do you deal with the judgment in between? You know, um, it is really difficult for somebody like me to continue uh, thinking that I, I can walk the walk when it seems like I get more support from outside the church. And what do you say about that? The first problem is. I'm going to give you the short answer first in the form of a question. Okay. Who did you just say you gave your life to? Christ. All right. 
So somehow in your question, and this is a problem with a lot of us as believers, especially younger believers, you said you felt convicted to give your life to Christ. Right. You came up, you gave your life to Christ. And then somehow between giving your life to Christ and some undefined time, you begin feeling pressure from people. Correct. But you didn't give your life to people. Correct. You gave your life to Christ. Absolutely. So somehow we allow ourselves to slip and give our lives to people instead of Christ. Gotcha. But here's the thing, though. I'm just a baby on the journey, right? I think it's inevitable for me to slip. And from the outside looking in, just, just my perspective, right? It seems like there should be more support there. There should be, but the root of the problem is somewhere along the line, people confuse the person or the people they gave their life to. And while there is a lapse in the discipleship journey, the truth is we need to have the type of leadership and we need to have the type of conviction that allows us to see and remember who we gave our lives to. Because every time I have a lapse in my life or every time I could remember difficulty in my developmental journey, it can be sourced to a misappropriation of who I gave my life to. Right. And that's just someone who's speaking from experience. When you start dealing with topics like church hurt, when you start talking about lack of support, this, that, and the other, there are a lot of times when the affirmation that we're looking for really comes from God himself. Okay, And if we can allow people to be rooted and grounded in that from the beginning, they can be grown up in such a way that when people are people, they're not as wounded. Now, because we're dealing with imperfect people anywhere, we can deal with how you honestly want to deal with the question. You kind of want some strategies with how to deal with when people are people. In church. You're absolutely correct. Because one of the things we also have to stop doing is painting with such a broad brush when we talk about topics dealing with people in church or when we talk about church as a whole. Right. Uh, because we kind of do this thing where we lump all our churches into one big bucket. And as a result, we speak as if the experiences we have are representative of what church is everywhere. Right. And that's just not the case. And that's part of how we misrepresent what church actually is. At the same time, all of us have been through some stuff involving the people who say they are the Lord's. But one of the best things I could do when dealing with people being people, especially once you step out to come into ministry, is returning to your original confession. What is it that God called you to do? What is it that God is asking you to do? And who is it around you that's pouring into you to help you accomplish that assignment? If you begin to focus on those voices, the voices of the detractors become more and more quiet. Because a lot of life is all about whose voice you pay attention to. That's why one of the things I love about when I look at scripture, in the midst of Jesus coming out into his ministry journey, Um, there's a lot of chatter about who he is and he goes to be baptized by John the Baptist. 
And in the midst of all that noise and commotion and all those people watching him be baptized, a voice comes from heaven and affirms who he is. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. It didn't matter what anybody else said about him. God himself affirmed him. And in the same manner, even though we may not hear that voice audibly all the time, God has affirmation for us that we have to learn to lean into so that when the people who say they represent God aren't pleased with us, we can know and be confident that God is still pleased with us. Because at the end of the day, all that matters is his affirmation anyway. Because people are going to get us wrong all the time. They only get a snapshot of who we are. Right. They can only see little snippets of who we are in certain moments. So they're never going to see the whole picture. So what I've learned to do is take my focus off of what people say and what people think and dig into what God says about me. And I wish I would have known that from the beginning because that would have kept me from doing things to try and make me change people's mind about me. Because if God's mind is right about me and I just obey God, either people's minds will change in accordance to what God thinks or they'll just fall away. Right. I agree with you there. Um, I think it's in the, in the beginning, it seems as though, like I said before, it's inevitable for you to be pressured a little bit about, by people and their opinions and the perspectives of you and what they, uh, recognize about you from your past and all that other kind of stuff. But, you know, just being completely honest in the beginning, it matters to me. It mattered the most, right? When I decided to give my life to Christ, I wanted people to honestly know me in a different way, right? You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? I wanted people to honestly just know me in a different way and know another side of me, not just what I used to do, not just things that I've done. I wanted them to know another side of me. And as that progressed, you know, there was sometimes when you, you know, you stumble a little bit, you know, you, you, you may, you know, what people call, uh, you know, fall from grace a little bit, backslide, backslide a little bit, you know, go back to do things that you were doing before. And sometimes it's not easy just to put those things down. Now I'm going to say a few things because, and we're going to say allegedly, 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 drugs have been sold, right? And allegedly, people have been taken advantage of, and allegedly, um, things have happened in the past, you know, in my past. And let's just say this sometimes it's not as easy just to put things down, um, and turn away from things as 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 people would would want you to when you decide to come to ministry it is is it it is a decision but sometimes it's not the easiest thing right mm-hmm. so um uh removing yourself from some situations sometimes is not as easy as turning away right it's not as easy just as turning away sometimes you're involved in things that just don't allow you to turn your way sometimes you have to strategically stop right? You have to strategically stop. And when you make a decision, what I look for, especially with coming to ministry is support, right? You're looking for support. 
not just necessarily saying that um, I'm looking for the people of the ministry to just support me, but just wholeheartedly looking to get support, right? Got you. What I've learned was, is that things that I've done in my past, as, as, as we were talking about before, leave a stain. And as much good as you can do, some people will have a hard time looking at the better side of you. But nevertheless, as a child of God, as a man that's deciding to live a different lifestyle, I feel as though I need people to handle me in a certain way, handle me sometimes with, with a certain care. And, and allow me the grace and support that I need to grow in Christ. Sometimes I think that's not given. Sometimes for me, because personally I've experienced that uh, I'm, I'm, here I am in, in youth groups and, and over men's groups and all those other kind of stuff or whatever. And then, and then realizing that some of these people still to this day only judge me for what I've done. This, and this is in ministry. The support never actually came from them. Um, I've actually had to really sit down and navigate and think about and navigate how to get through some of these situations without the support, because sometimes it feels as though um, if I wanted the same kind of hatred, I could have just stayed in the world and did what I did before. Because, you know, they always say they always talked about how when you live in, you know, you live in sin and all this misery, man, I want to know misery, man. I was making more money. Was a happy sinner. I was a happy sinner. <laughs> making more money, pockets fat, you know, ain't got no, ain't got to worry about, you know, this and that. You know, it wasn't until I gave my life to Christ that you start fighting. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, it was a whole lot easier for me to be that, that guy I was before than it is for me to be the sanctified guy that I am now. You know what? I don't, I don't even want to cut you off because I'm going to get to both sides of the coin. Because one thing I don't believe in doing is is victim blaming or being a, an apologist for one side or the other. Right. But but one thing I hear that I haven't heard before as I as I think about and as God kind of speaks to me about the direction of your podcast and your own life's experience, what I think you have is almost an honest emotional expression of what a modern day Paul would have felt. Yes, that's, that's deep. So in other words, yeah, we, we see the poetic expression of Paul dealing with the thorn in his flesh. Right. Um, we see Paul dealing with the list of people who did him harm in the Bible. We, we see him also kind of talking through some of his challenges, most of them coming from the enemy and we only kind of see the the internal opposition in the early stages. Right. But I guarantee you that there were some people that saw him coming and could not get over the sight of Saul. No matter what grand conversion he had, no matter how many disciples was with him. Right. The man had Peter with him on a few trips. Peter, I'm talking about walking on water. <laughs> Jesus homeboy. Right. You know, all the full Peterness of Peter. Like we know he was with Jesus. Right. And now Paul's with him and they're still like, nah, that ain't no Paul. That's Saul, the one that's been killing us. <laughs> right. 
Right. I don't care what Holy Ghost he say he got. <laughs> that is solved. Yeah. Hey, that, that's and funny. That's exactly how I feel. And the honest truth is there are going to be some people because of your former lifestyle, you're just not going to convince. Right. Okay. It's like there are some people as a result of the life I used to live and the life I try not to live now because of some decisions I made, I could never minister to them. Right. But the great thing about the grace of God is even in the things I've done wrong, that did not fully disqualify me from the audience that God has called me to. So what I can say, we're going to go back to the beginning perspective because the, the, the younger immature you is what's coming out in the podcast. Okay. But for where you are now, where the shift is, is to pouring into and putting your focus on the voices that affirm you, that support you, and understanding the sheep that God has called you to. Right. Because there's a flock that he has for you. There's an audience that he has for you that you don't have to work hard to convince who you are. Right. And there are some people back over here, over there, wherever they're at, who just aren't going to see the vision. Even Jesus had to deal with it. Jesus is perfect, right? Right. Walked amongst this earth perfectly without sin. He rolled back up into Bethlehem, and all people saw him was as Joseph's son. Joseph's son, right. Absolutely. And he couldn't do many miracles there, not because of a lack of his own ability, but because of a lack of people's appreciation and understanding for who he was. Yet, after he got past that moment, he didn't spend the rest of his ministry worrying about trying to convince Bethlehem that he was the son of God. Right. He had other things that he had to get to. And where we have to move to is understanding that some of the places that we're trying to convince of who we are, we were never called to be that person for. Mm. And the only way that God would get us out of trying to convince them was for us to be somewhat hurt to the point that we would get away from them. That's good. We don't really like the way that sounds, but we have to keep in mind Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord, those who are called according to his purpose. So what happens is sometimes we're so addicted to, I got to prove them wrong. Right. That we miss the whole audience that we're called to. Mm. And you can completely miss the mark trying to convince people that God ain't even worried about you winning over. Right. <laughs> right. It's just like even sometimes when I go out on a ministry assignment now, uh, I, I don't go in there like I'm not much of a hooper. I can sing and I can preach. Most of the time, I don't do both at the same time. Simply because I understand how God flows through me and what God uses me to do. I'm not going in anybody's church to impress anybody with me being like who anybody else is or trying to convince them that I'm some prolific speaker that they should have back here next week. Right. And there's some people I already know when I go in there, they ain't going to like what I have to say. <laughs> they made that decision before they came in there. Bro, there was one church I went to that shall remain nameless. I went in there and broke down some scripture for them. And somebody walked up to me right after service and told me, I understand what you're saying, but not only do I think you're wrong, but I can't have my kids listening to stuff like this. <laughs> what? Told me right to my told face. Told you right to your face? <laughs> 
with with my with Whoa. my cake with my cake and punch in my hand <laughs> and no check to pay me with they told me how wrong I was wow and that scarred me for a minute and that church of course has never called me back yeah but yeah. since then I've gone so far that the only reason I even remember that experience is just to get an example of showing you that hey everybody's not going to get it right and I think sometimes, even as believers, we have to understand that the church, although it is the church, it's not monolithic. We're not going to have the style. We're not going to have the background that reaches everyone. There are some denominations that if you preach the word, they require um, a bachelor's degree. You got to pass the psych evaluation. If you go into pastoring, you have to get a graduate level degree. And there's a number of other boxes you have to check before they'll even put you on an assignment to teach people the word of God. Really? So sometimes you're not going to check all those boxes. Uh, that doesn't mean that if you don't check all those boxes, you're not called to preach the word of God. Right. Right. Those are man-made things. And most of those things were put in place because of errors that happened on the part of other people. Mm. And I don't necessarily disagree with them because I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect people from having just anybody over them. But at the same time, there are some pulpits that you're going to go towards that you may never preach in or that you may never be able to minister in because people wouldn't receive you. And while there is some fault on their part, the truth is, God didn't call you for everybody because everybody ain't the same. You know, Alex, that, that, I'm glad that you said what you said earlier, man, because, you know, and this is something that I've, I've dealt with myself personally. And I know what you talked about, you just spoke about in regards to the sheep. You may not be called to everybody. And sometimes you have to focus on the support from where you're actually getting it from. Um, I grew up with um, my mom. And my grandparents doing a lot of the work to, to, to support me. In the beginning, my, had, my stepfather was around, but after he left, it was just me and my mom and my sister. And my mom worked all the time. She worked all the time. And I played basketball and, and I did some other things and I always had games and stuff. She never came to a game because nine, nine times out of 10, she was working. So it just almost always felt like it wasn't important. Um, so when my dad was in prison, my dad did 21 years in prison. So he was in prison most of that time as well. So I have a problem when it comes down to the support, right? Because what I've had to do was, is, 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 uh, uh, not necessarily blame my mom from not being there to support me mm -hmm. and not blame my father from being away to support me. And what I've recognized in myself is, is that when I want support from somebody, I want it from somebody. I want it from that person. I want it from that. You know what I mean? And that's something that as a man that I've, I've had to learn over the years that every, I'm not going to get the same kind of support and feeling that I want from everybody. You know what I mean? And that's something that I, I definitely had to, to, to work on. Even to this, man, it wasn't until, man, probably about a couple of years ago that I forgave my mom for some of the things that happened and from the, some of the ways that she was just absent when I was a child. And I know that might sound ignorant to some people, but you know, that's something literally as a, as, as a, as a 35 year old man, I had to kind of grasp and say, you know what, man, she did the best she could with what she had. 
But in our community, that's one of the biggest things we're missing is the reconciliation with the hurt of our past. Right. And the understanding that a lot of us came up in some jacked up situations. Right. And we had imperfect parents trying to bring us up in an imperfect world in an imperfect way. Right. I heard somebody say this the other day. I don't know exactly which person I heard it from. It was on YouTube. I think um, um, somebody came over my short. They say, man, you know, your parents were just two people having sex, unprotected sex. And, and they made a baby. And they tried to do the best they can to raise that baby if they stayed. And we look at our parents to be everything, you know. So, again, that's something that I had to deal with when it comes down to support. When I look for some for support from somebody, even if they don't support me, I don't know why, but it's something that's built inside of me that says, you know, you want them on your team. But that passion, you know what I mean? That passion drives something that honestly the body of Christ is missing. And especially, you know, in the area that we live, right. there's a real lack of universal support for Christian efforts and things that we do. You know what I mean? Right. Like you, like, whether it's our pastor or our leader can put out a book tomorrow and there are some people who won't buy it if his face is on it. <laughs> right. Me and you can put out a podcast. And the funny thing is, there's this weird thing where sometimes the best way to move something forward that you're doing is to keep your name off of it and to keep your picture off of it because if they figure out it's you, they won't support it. They won't support it just because mm-hmm. it's you. And it's not just unique to this area. It's all around. Right. You know, there's a lack of support for certain Christian content creation. And on the flip side of that, sometimes your stuff got to be worth supporting. Hey, you got to be good content, right? Right. Got to be good. Because let's be honest, if if your stuff ain't right, I ain't buying it. Mm -hmm. All of us done made the mistake of trying to show somebody love on a plate they were selling. And the plate wasn't good. That cornbread was dry. That cornbread be dry. And I'm not, I'm not even gonna say about raisins in the potato salad. I, somebody made me a we're plate. Gonna, we're gonna believe that that didn't happen in the body of Christ. That's that was real. Heathen, somebody. Listen, listen put listen, the raisins. Man, I went to listen. Salad. I went to a church, and um, this mother was selling her plates, and I wanted to support. When I took a bite of that potato salad, surprise! And this <laughs> raisin, I, this raisin just showed up. I wanted to throw that whole plate in the garbage. I was just so disappointed. But I, I gave her that $10. Actually, it was $12. It was $12. Let me tell you what I had on the plate. I had one drumstick, mm. one piece of cornbread, potato salad, and brown rice. It was $12. See, I, when, that, <laughs> when, that, when that happens, I consider the money I paid uh, a ransom did not have to come back again. For real. I just would, I just, man, when that, I rate, taste that potato salad with raisins in it, man. I just say, man, you know what, Lord? God bless that sister, though. She tried. Hey, for real. She she tried. I gave her that $12. And see, the thing is, though, the funny thing about preference is somebody tore that plate down. Somebody ate that. You, you know what? Because her food was for somebody. You know, I, I, I walked right out. For you. Man, listen, I put that plate in the garbage and I said, Lord, bless her, because I, that potato salad is not with it. You don't put raisins. That's against the law. You don't put raisins in potato salad. That's that why is, you always keep the foil or extra napkin in case you got to cover the plate when you throw it out so yeah. they can tell how much food you wasted. 
I just go to the bathroom with it. I go to the bathroom with it, Pastor. Oh, that's cold. Uh, I go to the bathroom with it. I, I get it done in the bathroom. Man. But, but, and we're saying it in jest, but the principle's still the same. Now, the funny thing is, she could have walked in the bathroom after you and seen her plate in the trash and right. been like, you know what? I done sold $500 worth of plates today, but somebody didn't like my food so much You're that right. they threw it out in the bathroom. You're right. And even with all those people liking her stuff, if she focused on your lack of support in that area, she would be scarred. Right. And the thing that happens with a lot of us is we put so much focus on our dislikes that we miss the support and engagement we get from people who actually are with us. Right. Or we put so much emphasis on the people who hurt us in the past that we allow ourselves to be scarred in such a way that we miss opportunities to engage people who are really there to ride for us. There are a lot of people who operate in closed circles, not because a closed circle is the best way to operate, but because they've put essentially a glass ceiling over themselves and even around themselves. They almost operate in a box in such a way that to keep themselves from getting hurt, they would almost rather limit their effectiveness rather than take the risk at growth. You know what you 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 really stepping on my toes, Alex. You you really stepping on my toes, and that's why I didn't say any of this. In right, the you, you really you really <laughs> you really stepping on my toes, and I'm 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 gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you why. Th- this is a exact mirror of my life, the way that you explained it, and it's a consistent thing that I have to work on with my own growth. Sometimes it's hard for me to identify the ones that are in my corner, right? Because I focus so much on the ones that I actually want support from. Let me give you another example. Father's Day, I heard from everybody, just about everybody. I was waiting on one of my sisters to text me. I have two sisters. I was waiting on one of my sisters to text me. I felt some type of way to 4.30. Today? Yesterday, I, uh, Father's Day, I felt some type of way until she texted me by 4.30. Oh, all right. I was just making sure you didn't bring that in here. Tonight. No, I ain't bringing it in here with me today, but I felt okay. some type of way until 4.30. Now, I got a whole lot of love from, from everybody, but she's the one, her, my sister and my mom, again, you know, these are the ones I was, I was raised with. These are the ones that, you know, when I do something, I want them to be proud. Them the ones that matter to me the most sometimes. So um, she's up all night most of the time, you know, working to do whatever she's doing. So she sleeps, you know, throughout you, the day. You ain't think about none of that. Nah, I ain't think about none of that. that. Text message. I heard from every single body, every single person in my, in my contact list almost. And then, you know, I was like, yo, my sister ain't hit me up. What's up, Rob? I had a whole conversation with myself in my head. And then I was about to, I text and delete it four or five text messages at the same time until she hit me up about 4.30 and she was like, happy happy Father's Day, big bro. And here's where we have to stop (laughs) fooling ourselves as well. When we think we're having those conversations with ourselves, it's actually the messenger of Satan trying to get us off our square. It goes back to that, once again, Mr. Modern Day Paul. It's the thing that's trying to nip at you and keep you looking backwards. Right. Because her sleeping after a long shift 
you assigned a motive to it that wasn't there. And we do it all the time. It's I'm good not, at it. I'm a pro. Not man, a, listen, I'm a pro at assigning motives. You hear me? Alex, if you walked out, if you had if your phone rang and you had an emergency, you walked out of here. I look at Bishop and say, what's Alex's problem? He got to quit, he my done quit podcast. the podcast. <laughs> we hear he just, he just done walked out of here. You'd have to call me and say, hey, man, I had to have somebody else to take care of. I'm saying, you know what, Alex, man? I was mad at you for about 45 minutes, man. So, I'm, but I'm getting better at that. I've, I've gotten so much better at that. But what you're saying makes, makes so much sense. And again, you're stepping on my toes because this is something that I've dealt with a lot over the years with me wanting the certain, certain kind of support from uh, uh, people that I, I love. So like I said before, uh, coming to ministry, giving my life to Christ, um, deciding that I was going to make this decision was a huge thing for me. I, not only was I going to make the decision of giving my life to Christ, but I was going to be wholeheartedly gung-ho, uh, go for the gusto and live in the lifestyle, right? And when you do that, I say, man, listen, this is going to be hard for me, right? And it's really hard for me to, to, to see somebody else that, to me, we're just alike. I mean, we're, we're both in this process together. And you can't be looking down on me when we both in the same process, man. I'm supposed to be supporting you. You're supposed to be supporting me. But it just, to me, to me, in the beginning of my journey, and I know other people have felt like this, in the beginning of my journey, it felt like that support came from outside of the church. And there's a lot of people who feel like that throughout the journey. Honestly, right. it, is, it is the voice of multiple generations of churchgoers and people who love God, but have kind of fallen out with church. Okay. It seemed like I had more support, more care, more love when I was out there. And it's honestly something we need to do a lot better of a job at because we don't understand the horizontal arm of the cross. We right. try to get the vertical one so right. This is true. That we forget to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Right. You know, we do so much trying to protect the image of Jesus or protect the image of what it means to be the church or to be in church or right. to represent God that we forget one of the biggest things God is, is gracious. And we say that his name is synonymous with love. Right. Yet we don't offer that to one another. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's a, that's huge, man, because I just don't feel as though we grant the same grace that we ask for. Right. We right. don't, we just don't do it. You know, um, I think I'm getting better at it. I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm really good at it. I grant so much grace because I know the damage that I've caused and I need people to grant me the same kind of grace. Right. Um, but I'm not going to lie. When I came to ministry, I expected that grace, right? I expected the same kind of grace that I, 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 I give to people. I expected that same kind of grace to come to me wholeheartedly with everybody. Right. And it took me a while and to talk to a few different people to understand that, you know, um, I think one pastor referred to it as a hospital, as a church, a hospital. And, and, and another, another pastor, you know, referred to the church as just a bunch of imperfect people trying to get it right. So you can't expect every single person in the church to have it together, be able to give you the support that you need. Because we're all, we're all trying to get it together, you know, as, as a union, we're trying to get it get together, you know, as a, as a whole. And I understand that it took me some while to understand, but I, I understand it. But I do have another question for you because I, I, there's something else that's kind of really been uh, kind of been brought to my attention. And um, me and a couple friends of mine, we talk about it all the time. And somebody thought that um, 
it would be something good to really ask somebody of your stature. And it's something that bothers me like crazy, man. So I, I want to ask you, when it comes down to popular Christians, man, there is, it seems like to me, a disconnect when it comes down to the people in the ministry, the people running the ministry, and the people that are so popular, they're almost uh, celebrity-like in ministry. Seems like there's a disconnect when it comes down to the people. I'm explaining to you from Senator Saint why I say that. I remember growing up in church. Um, I went to St. Elizabeth Worship, Worship Center growing up um, in Gifford, Florida. That was like um, one of the first places that um, I really understood God. My first church that I can remember was Davis Temple in Gifford, Florida. That was my first church that I can remember. Davis Temple. Anyways, my old pastor, his name was uh, Elder Nathan Peterson. And something that I would recognize in church every Sunday was that, that he would pour his heart out in ministry every Sunday. And people would get saved. This is a Pentecostal church. People would get saved. People shouting all over the place. The Holy Spirit is just taking over, right? And Sunday in, Sunday out, it would be not necessarily full, but let's say a preacher from Miami comes Mind you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to add this in there. We don't have a church home really yet. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, a building yet. There are a lot of other things that are going on that the church actually needs funding. People don't pay their tithes like they're supposed to sometimes. Uh, I'm sure there's been times where he's had to come out of pocket to do things just to support the church. We're doing car washes. We're doing all these other things to kind of support this church. And then there's a pastor that comes from out of town. He comes, popular guy. He comes one night. Not only is the church packed, there's nowhere to park. He gives a message. He prophesies. They're asking for four, dollars $500, $1,000 donations at this church. This particular day, people are giving it. People are giving it over and over again. I say, man, as a, Somebody is a baby in Christ. I really started thinking about it like, man, listen, man, this man preach every Sunday. He's out here giving this same kind of word every Sunday. Tuesday night, he's here for Bible study. Wednesday night, there's men's talk, women's talk, or whatever. There's tarrying service on Friday night. He's here all week. But every single time he invites somebody to this ministry, this thing is packed like no tomorrow. Not only have I seen that in my church, I've went to numerous churches and seen the same exact thing happen. Not saying that the man or woman to God that was coming there wasn't important because they might, you know, God knows that they were. But I just never could understand and place why you would take everything and so when they come versus when this man is giving you, he's feeding you every Sunday. He's feeding you weekly. He's checking on you. He's coming to the hospital when you're sick, when you your son and your daughter get locked up. He's coming to the jailhouse. He's going to the courthouse. I never understood why or how that's even possible for ministry to not uh, kind of group together and give and pour out to him like he or him or her like he, they, they, like they pour out to everybody else. Why is it when somebody that's a popular Christian comes to a ministry that is packed like no tomorrow? The people out 
two things I always want to know. They feel like they have a closer connection to God. So they, when this person or this man or this woman of God comes, they feel as though they can get what they need from God when they show up. Is it, is it because they see him or her every Sunday pastoring or preaching in church or did they, do they like the style of preaching that this particular guy does? Or is there, is there some other things manifesting without him? And if so, if, if that is the reason why this person or man, man of God or, or woman of God comes, if things are manifesting only when they come, how do we get that to be in the house of the Lord every Sunday? If, if that's the case, because what I see is, is that this man of God preaches every Sunday. I'm blessed every week. I pay my tithes there every week. Something happens to my family. He's praying. I got sick in the hospital. I had a heart attack. He was there. God knows that if I had a shirt on my back and he needed it, I would give it to him. There's no way that I wouldn't help support that ministry. No way. And you mean to tell me when Dr. Such and Such shows up on this particular day and he's preaching or she's preaching this particular day, the church needs this and that uh, uh, inside the ministry. You mean to tell me that um, we can't find the money until this popular Christian shows up? Alex, this has been something that I've always wondered and I've always had issues with. The people that labor with you, the people that labor for you should be supported. The ministry where you eat, the ministry where you're being fed should be supported. When these popular Christians come in, it always seems as though, you know, that's that's when the going gets really, really good. And I just never understood that, man. Can you share some light on that for me? And what's your perspective on that? It's an amalgamation of several issues. Number one, the issue is perception. Okay. For example... If somebody you're common with who's been to your house before comes over, you probably just tell them to come over. You don't really make no preparations. You just tell them to come over. Sometimes you don't even lock the door. You just tell them to come in. They don't got to ring the doorbell. They're familiar with your house. Okay. Sometimes they can walk right in your fridge and fix something to drink. You don't really fix them nothing to drink because they're common. You have a relationship with them. You're familiar with them. Gotcha. They're not any less special than anyone else. You don't love them any more or less than the next person. But let's say, for example, through some happening, it is decided that somehow Barack Obama will be coming to your house this week. Okay, I follow you. I guarantee you that house will be spick and span, spotless, as it has ever been, even with children living there, okay. everything will be in order. You'll probably add more furniture. You might buy new furniture. You'll have a dining room table set like it's never been set before. Dishes spotless. I'm talking about you'll hand wash and dishwash them. You won't let him lift a finger to do anything. You're not wrong, Alex. Not because he's better than your homie or your family member that comes to visit often. But in your mind, he's a special guest. He's a guest of honor. The same thing operates with people in church. We have to remember these are still people. It's not so much that a person that comes from out of town is more anointed. 
in some cases, they are more popular because they've taken on a platform that is taking them to higher heights. Um, and yes, sometimes people do give more to more popular platforms because we've kind of beaten into their head that those people who occupy those platforms are what we might call good ground. But at the same time, we've also mistaken the perception to say that this person is worthy of this level of investment. It's kind of like how much money would you spend to go watch a basketball game for the Orlando Magic? 60 bucks. 60 bucks. <laughs> Let's say you're on vacation in LA. Let's say you're on vacation in LA and you decide to go see a Laker game. How much money do you think you're going to spend for them Laker tickets? Might spend a grand for those. All right. Them $60 ain't even going to get you in the restaurant outside of the Staples Center or, excuse me, the crypto. Crypto com. Arena. Yeah, yeah, the crypto right. arena. I got you. In some of these years that have passed, the Lakers ain't been too much better than the Magic. You're right. You're not wrong. But when the Lakers come to town, or if you go to the Lakers town, you're going to pay more for them tickets. You're right. I agree with you. And I agree with you in that regard. Or if you want to, even if you want to make it a more balanced comparison, because you can say in your mind that historically the Lakers have been better than the Magic. You can go Boston, L.A. if you want. That's, that's true. Depending on your perception of each team and how they're performing on a given year, you'll pay more to see one than you'll see the other. Right. Even though they're both professional teams. They both do what they do professionally. Gotcha. They both make the same sacrifices. They both put in the same amount of work. They both do work that you don't see for neighborhoods and communities that you don't see. Right. Same things that the person who does stuff locally, who you feel is taken for granted, that same person who you're calling popular is taken for granted somewhere else. I got you. Jesus even told us, kind of going back to another example, that a prophet is without honor in his hometown, which is why we can see a lot of different what you call popular Christians <laughs> swoop into a town, have a certain level of effectiveness, but then sometimes when they go back home, it don't look like it do when they're out of town. You're right. I, I, I agree with you. I, I understand where you're going with that. My only problem is with it is, is this. And let me, let me, let me uh, make it plain from where I'm coming from. When there's a need, when there's a necessary need, the people that are with you, the people that you, that you pour into, wouldn't it be necessary for them to support if there's a necessary need, because here's the thing, you, you're absolutely right. If Barack, Obama, if I found out Barack Obama was coming to my house, it'd be spotless. Okay. RJ, my son would be quiet or he'd be outside. My daughter be silent in the room. We'd, we'd have on probably something that he, I knew he'd like to like, like to watch on TV. We probably have some food that he liked to eat. I agree with that. But here's the thing. If my dad was coming to my house and my dad was helping me uh, with my house, let's say he was, sometimes he would come there and live. So let's say my dad would part-time come to my house and live and help support. I'm going to look for my father to be somewhat responsible for the growth of my home because he's there helping support. He's living there. Okay. Barack Obama doesn't live in my house. Okay. <laughs> 
but my dad, let's say he's in 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 my wife's office sleeping in, in that in that particular area, he's coming to stay a while. Okay, he's coming to live there. Since he lives there, I'm expecting for him to support if there's a need. There's a word that you've repeated twice. Okay. That is one of the largest problems with how we see things within church and outside of church in real life. You use the word expect. Yeah. What we expect from the guy who's coming to visit us in the hospital, who's preaching his heart out every week, we kind of expect him to do that after a while. And we expect him to do it for whatever we give to him. Right. And that's part of our problem. Okay. The other guy who's coming from out of town, we don't expect nothing from him except for the one night or the several nights that he's in town. Yeah, you're right. And the one question that we often don't ask enough when we try to indict people's support is why aren't certain things in place for the person that feels slighted? I agree. So say, for example, there are a lot of times we run into within the body of Christ ministries that are lacking certain facilities. Why is that? And that's just a rhetorical question because that answer is not universal. Because especially if you, let's just say you're just getting started up, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's going to come into it with the building unless you've come from some large ministry machine that helps you to launch out and they just kind of take care of you right off the bat. Right. You know, most people don't start like that anyway. Right. But for a lot of the people, and plus there's just a totally different mindset when it comes to giving amongst our people anyway. Right. Whether it comes down to the expectation of what we get back or the inquisition of where it's going when we give it. So we have some healing that we have to do when it comes to our attitude towards giving anyway. Okay. So, you know, sorry to cut you off, but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this, right? And this is, this is, this is 12 to 15 year old Rashad. I used to think that first of all, when prophets used to come to church, I used to be scared. Because not only was the Holy Spirit how it was, but people was falling out and all that kind of stuff. Remember that guy on uh, TV? I think his name was Benny Hinn. Remember Benny Hinn? I promised myself when I was young, I said, man, I ain't never. You hear me? I ain't never going to Benny Hinn the concert, not a uh, not a lesson, nothing. Because he waving shirts. I was, he waving I was more shirts. afraid of the ones that would be up there telling people business. Oh, I yeah. Oh, was, yeah, was them too. Oh, my gosh. I'd be like, uh-uh, nope, I'm t- tiptoeing out. I'm what? sitting at the back. Man, Benny Hinn would take off his coat, wave it, and it'd I'm be a whole, fr- <laughs> whole crowd of people laying out. I say, man, God, what kind of anointing is that? I don't, I'm, we're not going there. So when, it, you, when, when these uh, prophets or uh, these huge name pastors would come to the church, this is my perspective. 12 to 15 year old Rashad, I used to say, man, Whatever my mama was praying for, if she ain't got it now, she gonna get it. So maybe we needed somebody that was important enough to hear her cry for God. Mm. Maybe if we sow a seed, a larger seed to him or her this particular day for this revival or whatever, maybe they got a different relationship with Christ where he listens to them in a more direct manner. Maybe 
I don't, I don't know if this is true, but maybe the relationship that they have with Christ is stronger than a man that preaches every Sunday. That was my perspective at 12 to 15 years old. It took me to get a little bit older and to understand the difference and to understand the process to understand the difference that this isn't so. This wasn't so. Now, the reason why I said that I, w- I was explaining to you earlier, Barack Obama doesn't live in my house and my dad, let's say he lived with me, you know, we, he'd be, I'd be expecting for him to help support. Now, when uh, a prophet or somebody else comes in and um, let's say my dad, uh, somebody else came over my house and they had their own, uh, they have their own home and everything. He's living with me now. I'd be pissed off if he gave them extra money. If he gave them more money, hold on, sir. You're going to go give them, you're going you're gonna to put in on their mortgage, but you stay here. Now, listen, now, now look, now, from Senator Saint, I, I know that it, it might sound childish, but that's, that's literally how I used to look at it because I'm like, man, why not put the money that you have in your pocket now? Because I'm sure that the man that is leading you or the, or the woman, that, woman that God is leading you, I'm sure that they can, <laughs> they can manage what you have here and be able to still get the same kind of results. You know, does it? And then I had questions of, does it take somebody of that caliber to get the same results from Christ? Because what it made, in a whole, this is what it, this, this is what it sounded and what it looked like and what it presented like to me. I can get more from God by dealing with somebody popular. If I, if, if I was able to go to a TD Jakes convention, I would have a different understanding and I'd have a different relationship with Christ. If I could go see, if I can go see Ty Tribbett and be in front of him, maybe, maybe, maybe he's preaching or something like that at his church in Orlando. Maybe if, if I can be in his presence when I'm trying to get in touch with Christ, if I need something from God, if I can be in his presence when I ask God for something, then maybe, maybe what I've been asking God for gets answered. Maybe I can have that now. You know what I'm saying? That's for, for me, especially being a younger guy in Christ at that particular age. That's what it presented to me. But and, the thing that go ahead. the thing that makes your experience not so horrible or not so off is that a lot of what that's rooted in to an extent was a lack of results that you saw in your regular mode of operation. That's correct. And that's kind of what pushed the woman with the issue of blood to go to such an extreme measure to get her healing. I done seen doctors and physicians for all these 12 years. You know what? I heard about this guy named Jesus. And if I could just even touch the hem of his garment, I'd be made whole. And sometimes now the mistake that we've made in our modern context is we put that level of faith in people. Right. Whereas sometimes you do need a shifting in atmosphere, but this is why discernment is so important to know that, Hey, this is an atmosphere that I can sow in or that God has led me to sow in to get a good result. And this is one where God is telling me, keep my money in my pocket and wait on me to tell you when to cough it up. 
Right. For example, we've we're both um we are both avid sowers in the ministry that we support now. Right. There are things that I do behind the scenes that they don't even know are, are coming even now. Um, or things that I just do to support the ministry because I understand not only that it's good ground, but I also understand the blessing that comes with making things happen for the ministry that I'm a part of. Right. At the same time, I saw TD Jakes last month. I did some so on in TD Jake's conference as well. Right. Um, if I go over to Orlando to see Ty Tribbett, I'm not going over there with my hands in my pocket the whole time. I'm going to take something to give. Right. Um, and at the same time, if I go around the corner to another ministry, I'm often not entering the presence of God without having something to give. Right. And then at the same time, we have to understand people's psyche when it comes to giving. The same reason why you won't walk out of here and give $500 to the person that's standing on the corner who needs it. Right. But will give $500 to another entity where, you know, you can get a return on it. Sometimes there's, there's something that's going on that tells us whether it's through discernment or suspicion. And if we could be honest, sometimes it's suspicion a lot more than it is discernment. You're right about that. There's something that won't allow us to sow into people that have not given us proof of concept, show us that there'll be a return on it. Right. You know, and I'm really, really glad you said that too, because what would be the perspective of a, a person like you when a prophet actually comes or somebody, somebody like that of, of importance? Oh, I'm, you, hearing, you, I'm hearing God full, full on, because I'll tell you, I've, I've been on both sides of the experience. Right. Because when I was in that same young space, I saw the same thing happening. And I, my prayer became, okay, I want to be able to get in that big C line. Right. Not because I wanted to be seen giving, but it seems like there's something different happening for these people. Right. Or I at least wanted to operate on the level of financial excellence where I can give it and it not hurt. Right. And I was making the assumption that it didn't hurt these people to give it as well. Because <laughs> I was going to say, That's I think it hurt everybody. Another big assumption. Right. But at the same time, I've, I've also been on the, hey, God said, give this big thing, or at least big to me, give this sacrificial thing here. I've given it and God's been faithful. And then there's been other atmospheres I've been in where I wanted to participate and it felt like God punched me in the chest before I could stand up and said, sit down because this is not the time for you to give. Right. And it, it almost, and because if you're too churchy, you won't know how to hear God tell you no. Mm. Okay. So God literally, I heard, I heard him and I was on stage. So I'm trying to keep my face together while I'm I'm hearing God in this way like never before. He said, sit down. It is not your turn yet. Mm. Okay. And not two minutes after I sat down, somebody else stood up and gave the entirety of the rest of the number. Oh, wow. Wow. I said, oh, okay. okay. I guess you, you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you're doing. Put yours in your pocket. I kept it right there. I bought, I bought some, uh, what I did to sew was I went and bought materials that was bought afterward. Okay. Cause most of the time, if you bring like a book, you got back in the days, if you had a CD, <laughs> you better not have no CDs with you now too often. But if you got like books or other things like that, I'll buy your book. 
right. or um, just do something else to support your ministry in some way. If I was touched by what was done and sometimes God will be like, you don't need no souvenir. Just go. Right. You. And most of the time when I'm in services like that, I'm either playing, singing or doing something else to where my time is being sown anyway. Right. Um, so you've got to hear God. We have to get to the point where we hear God on what to do in all these moments not just simply based on base it on past experience on what somebody else is doing or everybody else is giving. I feel guilted into giving or ain't nobody else giving. So I ain't giving or this person looks a certain way. So I'm suspicious. It's about discernment and hearing God in the individual situation, because there are some people you'll see in your local church that God will tell you to bless. And there are some people who are learning a very tough lesson from God because you don't know what you're sowing into. Because sometimes what we don't see behind the scenes is some of that person that's really working hard at it, you're trying to bless their disobedience mm. because God didn't tell them to do half the stuff they're doing they anyway. Do it anyway. Mm. That's good. That's good, Alex. Listen, man, before we get out of here, man, I got, I got something else that I want to ask you, man. <clears throat> if you can give me give uh, any, any of the, especially younger listeners, any advice on... Um, Staying in this whole fight, staying in this fight when you decide to give your life to Christ, man, I, I think it's important that uh, no matter what we encourage, you know, especially the younger ones that are coming behind us, the ones that are still out in the street, still hustling, still deciding that they're on the fence, they're kind of straddling, they're deciding that they want to give their life to Christ, they think they can't live the lifestyle, they can't really continue to to progress, and they're 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 in the means of of doing what they have to do maybe and not necessarily what they want to do, but they know that they, whatever they're doing right now is not the thing that they should be doing or the thing that God has called them to be doing, man. So if you can give some advice to them, man. I would just tell anybody, no matter where it is uh, that you are in your walk with God, or even if you're not walking with God at all, my simple advice with you for you would be just to simply take your next step. Take the step that's immediately in front of you. It could be as simple as finding yourself a new church home. It could be as simple as having a conversation with somebody you trust about changing. It could be something as simple as, you know, cutting back on something a little bit. You have no pressure to try and change everything about your life immediately. But just as Peter did when Jesus called him and gave him permission to come to him on the water, your journey at a miracle starts with the first step you take out of the boat. And if you just continue to focus on Jesus and continue to move closer and closer to him before long, you'll look around and realize that you're walking on water, doing the thing that you thought was once impossible to do. Amen, man. Listen, man, it was a pleasure, man, and an honor having you here, man. I hope we can do this a hundred times more. You know, it's always a, a pleasure to be in your presence, Pastor Alex, man. You 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 really break things down in a way for somebody like me to understand, man. I really appreciate it, man. Those of you guys that are listening, man, this is the Center of the Saint podcast. Um, shortly, you'll be able to find us everywhere, man. Listen, we'll see you next time. Saints out. Saints.